Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda. So happy to have you here as always. This is the last episode of July. So it's the last of our kind of light summer month series. If you have listened to the past few episodes, you've probably heard my intros that this month in the spirit of more consumable, shorter episodes, as well as a little bit of a podcast recording break for me, I have been repurposing the audio from some video trainings that I did over on Instagram. And this episode today is a repurpose of an Instagram live that I did about what to negotiate other than salary. So you'll hear me mention Monica the NP's episode, which we'll link to the show notes. I did this live video when her podcast came out, her podcast episode came out last year. So I think this is a great time to revisit this conversation. Just fair warning, I did record this live. So you'll hear me kind of talk to people in the comments and and note the fact that I'm live on Instagram and, and talk about some slides. This is obviously just an audio experience, but great information regardless. So I I think, you know, we get caught up in the discussion of salary numbers when we're talking about negotiation. So what I wanted to do in this segment is give you some things to think about, to focus on other than salary. There are so many other things that can affect your quality of life and can affect the amount of money in your pocket. So those things aren't as discussed as often. So this is exactly that. This is a discussion of those topics. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you're having a wonderful summer and we'll get back into more planned out episodes next week. So I hope you enjoy. Let's go ahead and get into the episode. This week on the podcast, I featured or I interviewed Monica, the NP, who is the compensation queen. And we talked all about salary, contracts, negotiation, because that really is her special sauce. So what I wanted to do is come on and talk a little bit more about other negotiation things and particularly talk about things that you can negotiate other than your salary. So I get a lot of questions about negotiation. It's a very emotionally charged topic. And a lot of people assume that salary and that, you know, amount number per hour is the only thing that we're talking about when we're talking about negotiation. But I want to illuminate that there are plenty of other things that you can attempt to negotiate that don't have to do with salary. So um, I do have some slides because this is very, very professional. I'm sitting on the floor in my bedroom. So this is a very professional presentation. My kids are downstairs at my desk. Okay, so things to negotiate 
other than salary. And if you have questions and you're watching on the live, there's a little question box down below, not the comments, but the question box. Feel free to pop them in there. And if there's time, I will get to them. So we're going to go over kind of three main buckets of things that I think you should try to consider to negotiate other than your salary. And the first one has to do with your income. So it isn't necessarily your salary, but it's other income related things. The second thing is your time. And the third thing is your costs. And then there'll be a bonus at the end if you are a parent. We're going to start with things that affect your income. So something to consider asking for. It may or may not be offered right off the bat, but let's say you are offered a salary that you are not really pleased with and you want to find some way to get more money. There's no wiggle room with the salary itself. You can ask for a sign-on bonus. So that would be a one-time taxable flat amount of money that your employer might offer you, especially if you are relocating for this position. It's a good thing to try to weave into the conversation because it's definitely not unreasonable to ask for relocation expenses uh, or ask for a a sign-on bonus to kind of help with relocation expenses. For the most part in healthcare, in our professions, we're not really a profession that usually gets things like relocation assistance, but it's definitely something that's totally appropriate to attempt to get. So another thing would be a probationary period with a guaranteed performance-based salary increase. This is something that's probably going to be more geared towards the nurse practitioners, but let's say you come in at an entry-level salary and you're reading over your contract, it would be a good idea to think about, you know, at what point would you be fully oriented in this role? So if you're a new graduate, you know, what's that timeline where you're going to get to full productivity in your role? And if you're not a new graduate, you know, same question. So what you can do is from the beginning, you can accept the position and request that there is a three-month evaluation period or a six-month, nine-month, 12-month, whatever it is, make sure that you have discussed that there will be another time that you sit down with the powers that be, the people who are in charge of your salary and talk about and revisit your contract or revisit your salary at that time. And that will give you time to assimilate into your role, to get comfortable, to get up to your maximum or your kind of average productivity, and then go there with the evidence of why you should have more money. Because the thing that's really tough when you're entering a position that's new to you or a workplace that's new to you is they know that you have, you know, shown off well in your interview, but they don't necessarily know the true value that you will bring as the employee. So many places are going to want to have that evidence. And so if you say, okay, after six months, I'd like to sit down and discuss my productivity and my salary at that time, then that gives time for you to collect that evidence so that you can go into that meeting and say, hey, this is what my productivity looks like. I am, you know, covering my salary and my benefits. Can we discuss an increase in compensation? So the next category is your time. Don't get so focused on the monetary benefits that you forget to realize the benefits of your time. So these are things like your schedule, you know, how many days per week that you work, how much paid time off you get, how much vacation time, how much administration or charting time if you're an advanced practice provider. These are all things that you can attempt to negotiate if what you're being offered isn't exactly what you want. So, you know, it's not going to necessarily 
make a big difference financially to the employer if you're still asking to do the same amount of work in a different structure. For example, you know, let's say you're offered a position that's five, eight hour days, but you would prefer to work for 10 hour days. If your practice setting is open, you know, that long, if it's open for you to have 10 hour days, then it should be something that can be up for discussion. And then other things like no on-call shifts or limited on-call shifts, PTO or vacation time. So a lot of times employers will have different tiers and people who are new to them, new to their organization will start at the bottom tier. You can always ask to be started at a higher tier to maybe be given credit for working at a sister organization or a sister hospital within the same organization. Or once when I worked at a university medical center, I was given credit for years that I had worked at another academic medical center. So they kind of honored the university thing because I had worked for another academic center. They were able to say, okay, well, we'll give you credit for that. We'll start you, you know, at the two-year vacation tier or whatever it was. Hey friend, this episode is brought to you by my membership community, the NP Society. If you are ready to become the NP you always wanted to be, then the NP Society is the place for you. This is a community that is designed for nurse practitioners and students to thrive beyond the clinical setting. This is a safe space for you. Membership includes access to our off Facebook chat community, as well as weekly virtual events that include guest expert masterclasses, social events, self-care classes, and clinical roundtable discussions. This is the first organization that puts the professional, that's you, at the center, and I cannot wait to meet you inside. To choose your membership level, head to the npsociety.com or click the link in the show notes. Again, that's the npsociety.com, and I hope to see you on the inside. And the third main bucket is your costs. So these are things that are going to come out of your pocket at some point that you can potentially get reimbursed by the employer or paid for upfront. So that would be money for continuing education, the coursework that you have to take to maintain your licensure um, and to maintain your certifications. You can attempt to have that paid for in most nurse practitioner or advanced practice roles. That's pretty standard for you to get some sort of CME allowance, usually on the lower side, $500 a year and on the higher side, $3,000 a year or more. And Monica talks about this quite a bit in our podcast episode, which will be linked in this IGTV description when it's saved, if you want to click right through and listen. Another thing would be license reimbursement. So again, things that you need to pay and maintain every couple of years to stay employable and to stay eligible to be able to work. Those are things that are often paid for, at least by advanced practice provider employers. And that includes like your nursing license, your APRN license, and your DEA license, which is a nice $731 every couple of years. And then healthcare costs. So if you're working in a private practice setting, you're going to have a little bit more of an opportunity to negotiate than if you're working for a larger hospital organization. Because a lot of times there's in the larger organizations, there's like an employee handbook and, you know, the benefit premiums, what the employer pays for your healthcare is a set amount. What you pay is a set amount. But in smaller practice settings, smaller employers, there's a lot more wiggle room there. So you can potentially negotiate to be on like a higher tier of the healthcare plan for the same price as before or additional money deposited in your HSA, those types of things. And you know, what I want to point out is those may seem like 
not very exciting things, but ultimately it's increasing the amount of money in your pocket because it's reducing the amount that's getting deducted from your paycheck. Okay. So that's the, (laughs) that's the same thing as getting a higher salary. I know that it's hard to think of it that way, but anything that at the end of the day makes your paycheck higher is ultimately, I mean, that's ultimately more money, whether that, you know, defined number of your dollars per hour or your salary goes up or not, it's really important to consider how these things affect your overall bottom line and the money that you're taking home. Because it's not necessarily how much money you're making, it's how much money that you are saving and putting in your pocket that affects your lifestyle, affects how you're able to enjoy the money that you're making. Okay, I wanted to go over a couple parent-friendly perks that I think are really important to note, especially in like... COVID times when you don't know if your kid's school is going to be canceled at the drop of the hat. It is good to have some flexibility and some potential perks on your side. But these really go for, you know, kind of all the time, not necessarily pandemic times. Telehealth is a big one, you know, whether we're talking about COVID times or not. If you have the opportunity to work a session or a couple sessions from home or any of your schedule from home, you will probably still need childcare unless your kids are older, but it at least gives you the ability to be down the hall. If there's an emergency, you can, you know, see your kids during lunchtime, which you may or may not want to do, but it gives you closer proximity to your family, which for a parent can really help with the transition to parenthood and work-life balance, that type of thing. And your schedule. So this was another thing that we talked about earlier, but that is definitely something that you can try to modify to work with your needs. So for example, if your kids go to traditional school and they're out of the house from, you know, eight to two, maybe instead of a nine to five schedule, you try to get a seven to three or seven to four schedule. You know, if your clinic's not open at that time, ask if you can see if there's another, if there's a medical assistant who is also a parent who wants to work kind of like traditional parent hours. So just kind of think creatively and think out of the box, depending on your work setting. Three 12-hour shifts, if you're working in a hospital setting, can be really parent-friendly. And believe it or not, I think overnights can. It's terrible like on the parent, but in terms of like how it works with the family, especially if you have two working parents and one is working a like traditional business day, if you are willing to do night shift, it's not terrible. Not something I would do forever, but I did it for about four years and it it really helped with the logistics of parenting and making sure people were there to care for the kids. And yeah, on-call, paid time off, those are all things that are really valuable to parents that are good to try and negotiate. A question, what is a reasonable amount of vacation time for a new grad NP? So I think four to five weeks is pretty standard when it comes to starting vacation time for NPs. And depending on where you are, like hospital systems tend to be more generous with this, in which case that scale probably isn't going to differ much than the nursing scale, to be honest. Four to five weeks is kind of what I've seen to be average, and and a week being 40 hours. So 20 to 25, like eight hour days or 40, what is that? Like 200 hours. I'm going to save this to my IGTV. It'll be up shortly after I end the video. If you want to go back and rewatch, you can leave comments there and it'll like live there. But again, if you missed the beginning, the reason why we're talking about negotiation today is because a podcast episode on my podcast released today and I interviewed Monica, the NP, who is 
basically a rock star when it comes to negotiation and contracts. So I highly recommend you check out the episode. I just love talking with her. And fun fact, between the two of us, we have six little girls. She has triplets and I have twins plus one. So we kind of have that like multiple mom connection. So I would love for you all to check out that episode. You can head to nursebecoming.com. And yeah, all that um, info will be in the description of this IGTV video. Thanks, Terry Lynn. I miss you very much. <laughs> All right. I hope everyone has a great night. Oh, Jackie says in a hospital setting, when is the best time to bring up salary negotiations? If this is a new position for you, like if you are negotiating a new job, wait for your job offer in writing. So you want to have, so a lot of times you'll get called on the phone with a verbal offer and the typical or the best response would be to you know, show gratitude, thank them for the generous offer and ask, when can I expect a written offer so that I can, you know, take all this information into consideration. So you want to know when you can expect a written offer and also when they want to hear back from you by. And what that does is that gives you the information that you need to be able to take your time to consider the offer and then communicate back with them. So once you have that written offer, then you can go through it, consider it. And if there's anything about it that you want to negotiate, then you can do so. Also in the hospital setting, you'll have less negotiation opportunity with things like their core benefits, like retirement and healthcare. But it is definitely reasonable to ask for that information with your offer letter. So it's totally fine. And I would recommend reviewing, you know, whatever their employee benefits information is, especially if you're looking at multiple offers, because that type of thing can affect your decision. You know, the same way we talked about different benefits affecting the money in your pocket, things like retirement, which, you know, if you're younger, may not, retirement is not a sexy topic, but you don't want to work forever. Trust me. And so part of that is making sure that you are saving money for retirement. And if you have two offers that you're considering and someone puts money in your retirement account from day one without you having to contribute, and the other offer doesn't start contributing until you've worked there for five years, that's huge. That's worth way more than, you know, a few dollars an hour in your salary. So that's definitely something to consider. Uh, I was told that they offer salary based upon years you have been an RN, not years of experience that can be applied to the position. Do you think I can still negotiate Sure, why not? I think if you have if you have any degree of experience, you should be negotiating. Negotiating is very difficult to do. It's hardest to do as a new graduate RM because for the most part you're really starting at zero when it comes to the experience level scale. But if you have anything beyond that, if you are not a new graduate RN, then I think that you should certainly try to negotiate. And and listen, you're not going to get everything you want. You're not always going to hear yes, and that's okay. And it's a good thing to practice. And the goal here is to make this like a businessy conversation and to get comfortable asking for what you want. And yeah, I mean, it's sometimes successful. It's sometimes not. And that's okay. Either way, like if this is a job that you want, you know, don't, you know, get upset if you don't uh, I mean, you can, of course, get upset. I'm not trying to say you can't have valid feelings. But let's say it's a job you really want and you negotiate and they don't agree, but you still really want the job. That's okay. You can still you can still accept the job. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you 
cannot accept a job until you get something out of them. But I think that it's worth trying. And if anything, it's an opportunity for you to examine, you know, what you feel like your worth is and try to get your job, your salary, your benefits to match how you feel about that. So I hope that's helpful. Okay, I don't see any other questions in here. I Like I said, I'll save this to my IGTV. Please ask me questions in there because those comments live forever. These these go away. Um, but if you ask questions underneath the video, then I'll be able to answer them so that other people can learn as well. So hope everyone has a great night. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.